Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Today in history, in 1803, the United States purchased the Louisiana Territory from France at a rate of less than three cents per acre for 828,000 square acres, which soon proved to be a tremendous bargain, which is an arbitrary uh, way to coin that um, because of how they vote. I'm looking at a big swath of red and uh, bargain, not so much. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your host, Zachary, and I believe in sex and magic as well as sex and science. My name is Megan, and tonight I will be your esoteric monk who uh, also likes to do illuminated manuscripts. And I'm Matt. Today I learned a new thing, but I'm keeping it a secret because it's a little, because a little bit of mystery every once in a while is sexy. That's true. Uh, Also, I'm looking at the Louisiana Territory, like the Louisiana Purchase. Uh, It also encompasses Tornado Alley. So we, we really fucked up here. We did. We goofed. Do you think it's too late to sell it back to France? No, they don't want it, dude. They sold it to us for a reason. They were just like, we are hoarders. We need to get it out of the house. <laughs> we don't want it anymore. It's just sitting are there you ever going to get rid of Louisiana? It's been sitting in the corner for five years. It's been sitting in the corner for five. It's like when your mom tells you to do a spring cleaning in your room. It's just like, do you really need those toys anymore? Do you really it's need just like, Louisiana? Ugh. No, yeah. no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. That's, you know what? If Louisiana, had, if Louisiana, like the actual state had just like kept the architecture, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. right? And like the cool parades. And guys, the vague smell of piss. Guys. Yeah. It does smell Why? like piss. We need Louisiana. Why? Why? I love gumbo. That's true. <laughs> Fuck. And Cajun food is so fucking. You want to get rid of beignets? No, I'm God sorry. Damn it, Zach! I've never had a beignet, but you make a great point. Okay. <sighs> okay, but what about this? What about this? We get rid of Missouri. All right. Okay. I'll, what the I'll fuck comes out trade. of Missouri? I'm, I'll make that trade. I'll make that trade. All right. Great. Any, fucking, now that we have that under agreement, any day the draft <laughs> music <laughs> play starts playing. Doom, 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 doom. I recently watched oh, a podcast where uh, the hosts were rating. Uh, they were making a tier list of the fifty states. Oh my gosh! And they were talking like the first five that they did. They talked for way too long, and they were just like, "Fuck, we gotta start going quicker on some of these." And so, like, they, yeah, I think like, they came to Missouri and they were like, F tier. <laughs> oh, yeah, a thousand percent yeah, F tier. Yeah, what the fuck comes out of Missouri? Uh, racism. Fuck. 
Fox ten day run. Like there's, d- come on, Zach. What like what else comes out of Missouri? It, it's not education. No, no it's not. We should. Right, it's it's. I know that I yeah, know that we're in the middle we of an important conversation about um, Missouri, but we are here to do Getting a podcast about uh, history. history. So we should probably yeah. get going on that. Yes, we but, should, but I'm definitely going to talk about some fucked up shit, so we'll have plenty of time for goofs and gags. So. But listeners, let us know how you feel about Missouri. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you happen to come from the state of Missouri, I'm sorry, but your opinion is irrelevant. Uh, listeners, we have reset our strikes to zero. We have played a game of rock, paper, scissors that only happened in our minds. And the order for tonight is Zach... Followed by Megan, and then I am last. It's because he said his story was a chonker. My story yeah. is a chonker. And we love a fat yeah, so ass gets... on this podcast. Fat bottom girls. Yeah, dude, that's... that's as much as I can sing of that song before we get <laughs> fired. I'd like to think that Freddie would approve of our antics. Freddie would probably approve. Anyway. But anyways, Zach can go first. Yeah, I'm going to begin my story tonight uh, at the best part of many stories, which the is the end. Oh, shit. Um, oh. <laughs> the exact opposite of what you said. Uh, the end. And, you know, you know what they say? Don't cry because it's over. Throw a sex rave because it happened. I want yep. you to know that that, that, that has never been said to me once. Well, oh, well, you, you've clearly never been to the parties. Zach, I've, I've never been lived. I was going to say, you're going to the wrong kind of parties, my friend. Well, they're not the sex parties. Yeah, not the sex rave parties. <laughs> anyway, in uh, the end of the story is as follows. In 1952, on June 17th, a huge explosion was heard all throughout Pasadena, California. And when police arrive at the scene of what was once an ostentatious and elegant manor, there now stands nothing but a smoldering ruin. And in that ruin is the mangled and torn body of one Jack Parsons. Nice. Mm. Did he... Now, I have a... I know that you've just started this, Zach. But this reminds me of another man that we have discussed mm-hmm. on the podcast Alfred Noble who also liked explosions from, from um, what I remember of that story he fucking loved those things so this man also loves Did explosions he... but there's another element to it which I'm about to get oh, to oh there's a twist there's a twist there's a twist because surrounding the body of Jack which was described as crumpled unnaturally with the flesh torn from the face are the strewn pages of a grimoire pentagrams chalked into the floor and the scrawlings of an unfamiliar language i'm fairly certain that there's a bruce campbell movie about this i'm pretty sure there's a whole tv series called ash vs the evil dead but this is not the necronomicon oh fuck listen this is how I want to die. Like, I want my death to leave more questions than answers. <laughs> Same, right? <laughs> um, yeah, like, I want people to be like, how did it happen? No one knows. There's a lot of random notes in a language that we don't even know exists anymore. And also, Amen. 
some candles. <laughs> there's oh, there's so much. She had so many candles that we don't know if it was supposed to be sexy or. She was opening culty. her own Yankee candle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real twist. That's the real twist. I'm undercutting the competition. Um. But this man, Big Yankee, surrounded by the aftermath of an experiment of science and the occult, is the only reason we made it to the moon. What? As a child. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't make it to the moon without Cthulhu. Without Cthulhu. Like, Cthulhu's on. the one that guards the passage to the moon. Yeah, come on. This is basic knowledge. So as a child, Jack Parsons is obsessed with the moon. He wanted to travel there so badly that he would scrape the black powder out of fireworks and make simple, rudimentary little rockets. Um, that was like oh his God, hobby like as a child was to blow things up in a general direction. He's literally grew from Despicable Me. Yeah, he's just grew from Despicable Me. He's like, I'm going to go to the moon. Goyles. Girls. <laughs> Not girls, Goyles. <laughs> He doesn't yeah, say it dude, like that. Say he it. says it more like Gorls. G-O-R-L-S. Gorls. All right. Sorry, I love Steve Carell's voice in that movie. As do I. It's great. Um, but yeah, so he basically was like, I'm a kid. I have access to fireworks. I want these fireworks to go in a very specific direction, so I'm going to work with that. Uh, <laughs> He also reads a lot of Jules, uh, Jules Verne novels uh, when he is a child, and oh, he's classic. just generally curious. He's a very uh, intuitive, thoughtful child. And what does any curious, thoughtful child do around the age of 12? Blow shit up. That, and also try to summon the devil in his bedroom. So <laughs> Wait, that's what girls do. Try, oh, to summon, right. try to summon the devil in their bedroom? Yeah, absolutely. You haven't seen those memes? Just girly oh, pop things. right. Just girly things. Um, so Jack ends up getting caught trying to summon the devil in his bedroom at a young age. Uh-huh. And his mother gets, you know, Fuck. freaked out. So she, she forces him to, him to live with his auntie and his uncle in Bel Air? No, she sent him to military school, but it's <laughs> close enough. Oh, Fuck so- no. That's even worse. Yeah, it's like, oh man, this kid's acting out. I'm gonna send him to military school. That'll straighten him out. Guys, I just want to say, I'm I'm just a little proud of that joke. It's a really good one. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take like two seconds to myself and just be a little proud of that joke. All right, ready? No, it was good. Okay, we can go. All right, you need a moment of silence for the pod. <laughs> a moment of silence for that joke that I did. <laughs> so Jack goes to military academy, uh, and he proceeds to be Jack and explode a bunch of toilets. Oh, you're telling me that sending the kid that loves explosions to a space where he could readily have explosions <laughs> was not a good idea? Exactly. Well, he didn't get sent to military school because of the blowing up. He got sent to the school because of the devil. That's well, I mean, true. In all fairness, because of these antics, I would say that Jack doesn't need to summon the devil. He already has a little bit in him. Mm. That's true. But Jack... Well, wait, wait, why'd you make that noise? <laughs> I, just, I don't know why I made I that concur. noise. Uh, I but he goes on... my orb. 
He goes on after a military academy as he grows up and gets older to enroll in a number of different schools, uh, but he eventually has to drop out due to his family's former wealth drying up. He was invited oh, no. to go to a bunch of different, like, fancy-dancy schools, but he just couldn't fucking afford it. However, this does not deter Jack, and he has, and as some of his friends uh, tra- traipse on into Caltech, uh, and convince Caltech in California to let them use their facilities, but not their funding to make rockets. Uh, oh, you can't do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. But know. however, in the 1940s, <laughs> Caltech's like, fuck it. Why not? I don't give a shit. That's crazy. That is crazy town to me because they're like, no, you go to apply and you're going to pay us $150 for the application. Yeah. Uh, but Caltech basically is like, yeah, you can use our labs, you can use our facilities, just you can't use any of our funding. This is all self-funded. And the group of boys aptly get the nickname the Suicide Squad as they almost blow themselves Stop up on it. many occasions, uh, making fun little rockets. Uh, this is also I can't believe good it. to note that Jack is only 23 by this point. Uh, he's still a child. Yeah, he's actually a child. Um, but if that's not... Rip to all you college students out yeah. there, but... <laughs> all you college students are just children. Deal with it. Yeah, guys, if you thought that yeah, you I were mean... adults and you're in your 20s, it's like after 25. When you, you can call rent me a when car... It, that's... When, you call me when you can rent a car and when your back hurts even the moment you wake up, all right? That's so true, though. You, Sorry, guys. Enjoy your youth. Enjoy yeah. your youth. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. Enjoy your youth. Um, but things, if they weren't weird enough in Jack's life, are about to get weirder. Be- oh. Because yeah. it's in 1939 that Jack begins contact with someone that will change his life forever. Cthulhu? Kind of. The actual devil? Well, it is one Alistair Crowley. Oh my fucking god. The, no. And for you, those of you who are not like my esteemed hosts here and do not know who Alistair Crowley is, Alistair ran the Ordo Templi Orientis, which is a secret society. I say in quotations because it's just a fucking cult. <laughs> We just we and we also all know about it. Yeah, it's not that secret. It's we all know what to do it. That, now, if that guy it's like existed all the Yale today, secret society on Twitter, how do you start a secret society? <laughs> he wouldn't even be posting. He'd be like, "Do you want to join? Do you want to join my secret society? You guys want to join my secret society, guys? It's open yeah. enrollment at the family fun barbecue of my secret society. Bring your friends. My bring your, secret bring society." Your family. We'll sign them Mo- up today. Bring everyone you know. It's also a multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> we can't do it without you and you and you and you and five others that you have enrolled. All right. Make sure you bring 10 cases of hot dogs and then you can sell those 10 cases of hot dogs to other friends and family who can then sell those cases of hot dogs. <laughs> Welcome to the market, uh, multi-level marketing barbecue. So... Again, for those of you, as I said, uh, the Ordo Templi Orientis is this basically cult that deems themselves a secret society. And one of the big things that the OTO, which I'm going to call them from now on because it's a mouthful to say the whole thing. That's so funny. Um, 
one of the big things that the OTO preached was swapping partners and getting all down with everyone. Wow, wow. Oh my god. Man, that's like every cult. Be down yeah, for a little every, Swatsky? Every cult eventually divulges in, or, uh, you know, deteriorates into a sex cult. I it's think, just the rules. Yeah, I think that's we so had a, It was that one story I did where this girl was like a cult leader. Yeah. And Zach, uh, Zach brought this up. They either become... I think at the time you said they either become suicide cults or sex cults. <laughs> yep. On a long enough timeline everyone's chances of getting into a sex cult is zero. It's <laughs> not zero. To, not zero. I'm trying to think of, like, the line from fucking Fight Club where it's, like, on a long enough timeline, the survivability rate of everyone is zero. Yeah. <laughs> on a long enough timeline, the uh, chances of... The chances of ending up in a sex, a sex cult is 100%. Yeah. Uh, That's so true, though. But if in 1943... In a cult, it's a sex cult. It's always a sex cult. Uh, 1943, yeah. Jack is Sorry, so guys. deep into the sex cult, sex life, that Crowley has him installed as the leader of the California chapter of the OTO. Um, this is oh, also... What an honor. One more time? What an honor. I know, right? What an honor. There is a bunch of background where Jack uh, ends up, you know, his wife ends up leaving him for the guy that was originally running the California chapter. And then he's like, hey, Crowley, you want to just fucking make this guy get out of the way? So Crowley tells him that he's now a god and has to wander the desert talking to no one. And then he's like, yeah, no, actually, Jack, you're the head of this chapter now. It's wild. (laughs) I love that for our boy Jack. So Crowley helps Jack That's actually a galaxy brain move. Galaxy brain move. Determine that this man is a god and no longer can speak to the uh, populace and then just install the person you want as the actual guy in charge. So Jack is at the peak of his life also because, uh, side bet, I guess, uh, he convinces the United States government to order 2,000 rockets from his newly formed Aerojet company. What is happening? (laughs) He made a deal with the devil when he was 12, and now it's, you know, he's getting everything he wants. Oh, my Which God. Which is explosive in sex cults. I think that that's great. Honestly, maybe my mistake was not making a deal with the devil when I was 12. <laughs> right? Um, I just wasn't passionate about anything enough. Yeah. I had a lot of mini interests when I was 12. I wasn't, you know, super hyper focused on sex and rockets. Um, yeah, I just like wasn't committed enough to one cause. No. Um, but I'm not here to talk about science and rockets, because that's not the weird part. And okay. I'm only here about the weird. Things go oh. as usual for Jack and the OTO until one day when someone else shows up to make things even more off kilter. Are you ready, folks? Is it Very ready. Is it, is it the devil? No. Megan, what would you say? Is it Cthulhu? It's not Cthulhu. Uh, but... You know, in the same vein, because this is a famous science fiction writer. Ray Bradbury. No, uh, a science fiction writer by the name of... <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. You're fucking joking me. No, I'm not. I can't believe you did That's it. ridiculous. <laughs> so L. Ron Hubbard shows up, that motherfucker, and guess what? 
him and Jack get really close uh, really quickly because Hubbard and Jack have magnetic personalities, apparently. Are we talking about, like, Hans mm. Christian Andersen close? No. Uh, it just, like, they become very good friends and uh, okay. uh, Elrond uh, starts... It's not gay. What? <laughs> no, it's, it's... It's not gay. It's strictly platonic. Um... It's not a they were friends, it's they were friends. They were uh, roommates. <laughs> yeah, they weren't roommates. Um, but Elrond starts learning everything he can about the OTO from Jack and kind of how it's run and how it's organized. Um, and their friendship has a quick falling out because Hubbard seduces and then fucks Jack's girlfriend, Betty, and the two of them run off together. <laughs> oh. The dangers of a sex cult, oh. I guess. Those are the dangers of the sex cult. So, Mr. Steal Your Girl, L. Ron Hubbard, leaves with Betty. Steal Your Girl, L. Ron Hubbard. Leaves with Betty and all the knowledge he gained from Jack and then creates Scientology, but we won't get into that. I cannot believe this. <laughs> so Jack becoming increasingly erratic in his behavior dipped even further into the occult. Uh, some were saying he was even trying to summon a demon to kill L. Ron Hubbard. However, all of this ends uh, as any and all of his government security clearance is revoked due to his connections with OTO and his believed link to communists. Like, that's the thing the government was really upset about is they're like, what do we you think mean? you're talking with communists. We can't buy rockets from you anymore. It's like okay to talk to As Asmo Dunk over here, but like it's not it's not okay to talk to Pol Pot. Wait. That's a bad connection are, there, but I, I wait, wait. Wait a minute. I reckon wait a minute, oh. those are the same people. <laughs> but yeah, so they cut off all of his security clearance. Aerojet is no longer the main manufacturer of American rocketry. And Jack accidentally blows himself up in his own home on June 17th, 1952, which is almost 17 years prior to the moon landing. And at the beginning, I did say that this lunatic was instrumental to the moon landing. But if that's 17 years prior, that doesn't make any sense. Am I right? Correct. Yes. However. Uh-oh. Well before his madness and dip into the occult. Jack became one of the founding members of JPL, or Jet Propulsion Laboratory, <gasps> where he invented the first no. rocket engine and the group that would later be acquired by the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA Stop it. for short. And the rocket designs on the Apollo 11 were made directly from the knowledge and different designs from this Jack Parsons, the insane occult dude. Well, I guess like, I may, you know, I think like as we've been doing this podcast, like there, the one thing that has been pretty consistent is you kind of have to be a little bit weird to like be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I guess. You have to have a I don't little bit think of insanity you can be... for your brilliance. I believe that. Yeah, I don't think you can be normal. No. Um, to and like whether whether you're weird in a really bad way 
or weird in a quirky I'm gonna summon the devil way because like honestly maybe he didn't do too much harm yeah um you just gotta be strange like you're not making history if you're just normal no absolutely not if you have uh, you know like I think so I I've I I'm starting a new kick where I have now found like twelve different stories about mad scientists. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, so good. See, this is why like I don't get into summoning the devil, but I do get into little bits where I'm like, ooh, I found this one particular thing in history that I like. I'm gonna eat it all up. So I'm now on a mad scientist kick, and I think that this one is a great one to start with. So I think that like. God. Genius comes in many forms. Yeah. And yeah. many of those forms are also insanity. <laughs> yeah. Now, that is also it's not to say insanity. that you can't be insane and think you're smart and you're not. Look at many of the stories that Matt talked about with about putting people in wine barrels and seeing if you could see the soul. Yeah. <laughs> that know? guy was just a piece of shit. Dude, they can't all be bangers, no, all right? No, no. You gotta try some stuff. You can't all have wins. It can't all be Ws. Sometimes you gotta take an L. It can't. However. All. You gotta take the Ls. Madness does not equate genius, but genius usually equates madness. That's what I think we're getting yeah. at. Yeah. That is what we're getting at. Crazy equal genius. Some people have to walk before others can run. Absolutely. You know? But that's my story about the guy who basically got us on the moon. And he's also summoning the devil. And is absolutely responsible for Scientology. Absolutely responsible (laughs) for Scientology. A thousand percent responsible. I can't believe he was friends with that guy. Ugh. That guy's a fucking lunatic. Oh, yes, he is. So my dad is reading an L. Ron Hubbard book right now. Why? Oh my god. Well, he's god reading bless. Battlefield Earth, which, to be fair, is one of the better works of Mr. Hubbard. Okay. Battlefield Earth is the first 1,200-page book I read and enjoyed. Oh, damn. Okay. Oh. I mean... I mean, I guess. The movie is garbage. I didn't even know there was a movie. So it's there's a movie and John Travolta's oh, in it. Oh, there's a movie. Oh my god! Now and I have to see okay, it. Okay, hang on. I will send you a picture of John Travolta in this movie because it is fuck. It's nightmare. <laughs> but it was a good book. I'm not really into science fiction. It's like I'm not big brained enough. I love science fiction. I mean, that's good. I just, like, want to read about people you fucking. You like is that science too much fiction, but you haven't read Dune? Yeah, I refuse. No, I'm I... just kidding. I know. <laughs> I have a personal vendetta against someone who has told me repeatedly to watch it and that's read true. it. That's and true. now I can't. Oh, God. This is John Travolta in Battlefield Earth. Oh, fuck yeah, I gotta see this. <laughs> it's such it's a bad so movie. It's so bad. It's such a bad film. It covers none of the actual, like, good bits of the plot. Wow. They're like, what if we took all of this and cut out the good good stuff? So, to be fair, the book is 1,200 pages. It covers a lot of shit. I... Like, most science fiction books... Most science fiction books yeah, do that, no, though. They, they like, yeah, cover damn, a lot of it's shit. It's like they have to, like, you know, build a world and characters. Yeah, except they don't have to yeah. always do it in one book. Except Teller on Hubbard was like, bet. 
<laughs> fucking bet. bet. Is Megan, you should probably tell your story. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's actually funny that you told that story tonight, Zach, um, because it's really unclear whether or not my story has anything to do with the cults. Okay. Like, a cult. Um, I don't really have a snappy title for this because, like, as I was reading this... I couldn't come up with one because I was just like, I don't I don't understand what this thing is. So Oh my um, gosh, Megan doesn't have a title be, for the story. I don't I don't really have like a snappy title for it because this is like more it's like not a thing. It's not an event. It's not like a person in history. It's a thing. It's a historical thing. Okay. Um so like and while I enjoy things that can't be easily explained. Like, it's also sort of hard to tell sometimes when things in history are historical shitposts, like, (laughs) if they were just made for the sake of making things. And that's what I found with, like, the Voynich Manuscript. And I don't know if you guys have heard of this before. Not until you mentioned it to me. Okay. Hold on one second. So, yep. I was just opening up a soda and giving the fans that good, good ASMR. Grip it and rip it, baby. Okay. Yeah. Grip it and rip it. I'm opening a pomegranate dragon fruit sparkling water. Ooh. Well, while you take a sip of that, I'll take a sip of my Earl Grey. Mm. I don't have anything Ah, to sip, so I will imaginary. That's fine. Excellent. Yeah, just whatever you want. Um, so... Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Voynich Manuscript. It was named after Wilfred Voynich. He was a Polish-Lithuanian book dealer, um, which I don't know why that's funny to me. It sounds like every antique book dealer in a movie, like, ever. Yeah. It's like, oh, we got to give it to my Polish-Lithuanian book dealer. Uh, So he purchased it in 1912, and it is an illustrated codex handwritten in an unknown script called Voynichese because we have no idea what the fuck it says. Uh, It's written on vellum. Okay. And it has been carbon dated back to the early 15th century and it might have been composed in Italy. However, other than that, like the author, the purpose, the exact origins of the manuscript are as follows. Fuck all. We have no idea where this thing came from. 
<laughs> like this thing has been knocking around for centuries and like dude we cannot tell you like anything really about it so i'm gonna tell you everything that like we do know but i'm not gonna lie it's like not a lot so it has been suggested that Voynichis is a script for an unknown natural language, constructed language. It might be a code, it might be a cipher, or it might be even a straight-up hoax. These are the things we think it might be, which encompasses all of what language could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love uh, size-wise, the obscurity that some of your stories are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm living for that. Well, like, you guys get into, like, holes of the same, like, veins. Oh, we definitely, like, so, as Zach mentioned, he falls into little rabbit holes of history. I'm clearly the podcast dad. um, And you just find these beautiful nuggets of obscurity that make no sense sometimes. Like, where do they come from? I don't know. Much like no one knows where this came from. So, size-wise, it's about 240 pages long, but there is evidence that pages are missing, while some of the pages are like a pop-up children's book, like they got foldable fucking sheets that come out and they have, like, (laughs) longer diagrams on it. And most of the pages are bonkers. Like, they have fantastical drawings and diagrams that are colored and that depict people uh actual made up plants that no one can fucking identify and astrological symbols um and as for the text while the majority of it is in an unidentified language there are are some like extraneous writings in latin script uh that say like nonsense like some of the months of the year but mostly the latin is like unintelligible and seems to be corrupted by the voynichi so like it'll start off in latin and then, like, the, the Voynich symbols will be sort of, like, added in, like, like they're evol- like the letters in Latin are evolving into Voynich, which is weird. If it, it feels like it's a, it's like a virus of language. Bro, we just discovered um, someone's ancient fanfic, and we can't put it down. Dude, we cannot put it down. We have no idea what he says, but we know that it's spicy. We know it's juicy. <laughs> We've got no clue what we know any that it, of this means, but we know that he cared a lot dude, we, about it. <laughs> dude, we know that it's so juicy. It's 240 pages long. 240 with, pages with un- of juicy, juicy fanfic. It's juicy, juicy fanfic, and also there's, like, chapters missing. There's, like, unreleased chapters. Oh, my God. Chapters. Found footage. Found footage, dude. So the unknown script could be continuous or could consist of an alphabet with 20 to 25 characters with no apparent punctuation because, like, we listen, when you're in that sex scene, you know it's just better to keep the stream of consciousness That's going. That's some Jack Kerouac shit. We don't want to stop. Sex scenes yeah, can't don't stop, need punctuation, stop. just the period at the end. That's so true. It only... It only finishes when it finishes, you know? Exactly. You keep That's... going until you're done. <laughs> you keep going until you're done. Um, so also, throughout the entirety of the 240 pages, there is no indication of any corrections being made, meaning this person was either God-tier at writing, or maybe they just made a mistake and incorporated it into their fake language. So God. it's unclear. Uh 
People have tried to figure it out. Uh, Transcription alphabets have been created, but because there is no grammatical markers. So grammatical markers are things that occur commonly enough at the beginning and ends of words like in English, S and D. Those are grammatical markers for us. Um, Voynichese doesn't have those. So it becomes almost impossible to gain footing in understanding like literally anything that's happening and the fact that there are so few repeating elements in the manuscript uh not only makes it frustrating but like that's something that is not common in any indo-european hungarian or finnish language so like we are rapidly like running out of languages that it could be related to it is vaguely similar to mandarin chinese pinyin but like Pinyin is a romanization of Chinese characters, which didn't occur until, like, the 50s. So if this is written in the 1400s, that kind of doesn't make sense either. Um, so the the text of the script is so undecipherable with words with only slight differences occurring up to three times in a row, or words never appearing again, that some professionals say that is doomed to utter frustration like they're like i don't think we can ever figure out what this says <laughs> and like we it's just the fan fiction is too spicy we can't do it like whatever we can't do it so and since the text can't be read we are left to the only devices that we have which is ordering it by its illustrations And by doing that, the manuscript can be broken down into six different sections. Uh, The first is herbal, with plants that cannot be identified. So very helpful when you're cooking. Um, The second is astronomical, with symbols for the zodiac constellations, with nude ladies underneath them holding stars. Excellent. Yeah. Whatever that means. I mean, you say excellent, but these ladies look like... Are they not good-looking ladies? Kind of full. They're not they good-looking ladies. The they kind of look stick? like... They look like... They look... You know those bouncy balls? Yeah. That kids... You, yeah, they look like Tyrannosaurus Rex bouncy balls with, like, tits shoved on them. It's very <laughs> weird. Oof. It's like someone, like, had never seen a woman or an alphabet before when they wrote this. Is, so they were having a hard time. Like, this is what I that imagine. Like, You've seen a horse, right? And then it's just a picture <laughs> of something that's very definitely not a horse. In this same in this same you know setting, those... it's like you have seen a naked woman, right? And it's like, yeah, hundreds of times. Yeah. Yeah. something that's hundreds very clearly times. not a naked woman. <laughs> not a lady, and it's just like, look at her tits. It's just like, why are they so pointy? Why does she um, have five of them? Oh my god, you're right. Why Holy does she shit. Have... <laughs> <laughs> I looked right? it up. I looked it up. It's Share weird. with Don't... the class. They, they're like, they look bad, right? Yep. Like, what's wrong with them? I Everything. don't know. A lot. Why are, they... Why are they so pointy? Soup's pointy. And also, why, they... why tentacles? Why not tentacles? Why tentacles? Oh, that's a plant. But that's not a plant. She's in a plant. I don't know what to tell you. That's Zach, a plant. That's all right? definitely it's a not a woman, that... so that can obviously be a plant. <laughs> yeah, the, that farting plant is a plant. Okay, this is what I imagine, uh, Matt. You know those 
like the experiments of trying to find God's language by like isolating the yeah, children. Yeah. This is what I imagine they would have made if they had been if they had lived. If they had lived past five days. If they had lived past five days, this is exactly what I imagine they would have guys, made. Guys, I'm joking. They only live to be five months. Oh, sorry. Um, th- that sadness being said, there is a third section. Oh, wonderful. Uh, uh-huh. So, yeah, there's six. Remember, yeah, we're only, we halfway, only there. halfway there. So, the, the third is balneological, which I know is a big word, and I had to look it up. Um, it means curing diseases by bathing. So, like, soaking in, like, waters, like, warm waters. Yeah, except it was, like, just sitting in natural hot springs and being like, hmm, I've I've taken in the waters. Uh. (laughs) Uh, It cured diseases, apparently. So, that's the third section, and this is the spicy section with even more strange nude women. Bathing in pools. Fuck yeah. Connected by elaborate networks of pipes. That's the whole third section. Bathing it's just in like pools? naked ladies. Connected yeah, by pipes? It's just like. Yeah, that's the whole third that's section. That's the fourth section. The third section was. No, that's the third. That's... So the first is herbal. Yeah. The second is astrological. Is ast- astrological. The third is balneological, which is the pools. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So fourth is cosmological, which sounds like astronomy, but you'd be wrong because whoever drew this section just wanted to draw a lot of circles. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. The fifth section is pharmaceutical and has even crazier plants. Nice. Okay. And then the last section is recipes because grandma wasn't letting anyone for the next few centuries figure out her famous lasagna recipe. And so we... Coded it to hell. So, overall, people who have studied the Voynich Manuscript believe that it is a medical compendium based on, like... No evidence the, to the contrary. The, yeah. <laughs> well, based on the pictures, essentially. They're like, well, there's, like, plants with explanations and, like, people in baths and the stars... So it's a medical compendium. That's all they got. So some of the plants can be vaguely identified while others are like just straight up crazy town. But maybe that's just what happens when you can't draw or write for shit. Um, There have been other hypotheses as well about who could have possibly come up with this thing. And it ranges from like Roger Bacon, John Dee and Edward Kelly, like all of these weird writers at the time. Uh, around the time when the thing was made but obviously like there are people who are just like no it's not them like it has to be aliens or something it's always aliens it's just always aliens and i'm bored of the explanation all right why can't it just be like a fucked up genius all right (laughs) who got us to the moon am i right zach why can't it just be like a fucked up cultist yeah absolutely Uh, so, like I said, this it wasn't a snappy story. It was just this thing that I found in history that has puzzled people forever for centuries. Forever, forever, ever, yeah. forever, ever, ever, forever, ever, ever. So that that's my story. 
you don't have to look up any more about it because I've found she everything, found everything that's, there is to know. That's all there is. That's literally everything there is to know. No one else knows anything. And You're as welcome. such, Megan has become one of the pioneer scholars on this particular manuscript. <laughs> I expect Pennsylvania University will be calling me up any minute. You know what? I had a thought the other day that was like, it would be really cool to like, so I'm, I'm in the online dating scene and every so often they ask like, if you could have a superpower, what would it be to like, see if you're a cool person or whatever. And I had this thought, my, my real answer is super dumb and too long to explain, but like, I thought it would be really cool to just automatically get the power to read dead languages so that, yeah. like, oh, in yeah, any cool. situation, someone's like, we've got no fucking clue what this is. Just be able to look at it and be like, oh, this is what this means. Just so that we could answer so many fucking questions about, like, right? yeah, all these things. No, that's true. Like, man, imagine if we could just, like, I don't know read that last language on because there's like an unidentified language on the Rosetta Stone isn't there yep imagine if we could just read that I mean obviously we know what it says imagine just being able to read a dead language imagine just being able to like translate shit that that. no one knows I would like to make one addendum uh huh I would just say the ability to understand all languages even dead ones that would be great Oh yeah, that's yeah. That'd be cool that would too. Be, that would be. Uh, I'm the universal translator. I have the babblefish in my fucking ear. The babblefish. Yeah, that's that's actually very cool. The other thing that would be interesting, which is like a bit of a cheat code, but I think would be cool, is being average at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like being able to pick up something and be average at it. Yep. Yeah, just like you're in between the person who doesn't know how to do it and the absolute the like fucking Bobby Fisher yeah. of whatever that thing yeah, is yeah. like, cause, but like the thing about that is like, it kind of sounds dumb, but like, but you can be, but you're I would say average. Well, I was going to say be at least average at everything. Meaning you could get better at something if you cared about it, but like, you're never going to suck you at are something. Baseline and average. Great. You are a Jack of all trades yeah, automatically. Yeah, like automatically you you pick something up and you're like, okay, I can do it. Which which covers things that like you've never even heard yeah. of right now too. Um, so like, say an alien language gets introduced to you, you're automatically Forget average it. at it. You're conversational in an alien language. Yeah. Done. Um, my actual Rock, rocket science. My actual answer to the question is the ability to manipulate probability. Oh, that's That's great. It's a great answer. It is a great answer. I don't have time to get into it with you and our podcast listeners because I have to launch into our story now. I think we're just going to do a special After Dark episode where we debate superpowers. We can definitely talk about it later. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, genders, and races, we find ourselves once again... In your podcast dad's favorite playground. World War II! Wee! Uh, this story happens in the year of our Lord 1945. In the month of August, on the 21st, 
to be oh. specific. Uh, 10.52 oh. in the morning, if we want to dive even deeper. It was a Tuesday, if that matters to you at all. Was it... Was it actually? Look it up. Tuesday. It's a fucking... It, it's a fucking Tuesday, isn't it, bro? Um, so anyways... Uh, now, kids, as your podcast dad and someone who has fully lost faith in the American education system, uh, World War II ended in the year of our Lord, 1945, and more specifically, the war in the Pacific Theater ended on August 15th when Emperor Hirohito surrendered uh, the Navy and the Army of Japan. However... yeah. As I mentioned, the story I'm about to talk about happened on the 21st, uh, which is obviously after the date that I just mentioned, and it also happens in the Pacific Theater. Uh, so, without further ado, I am going... Which is my wheelhouse. Hey. hey. It's true. Hey. I did take a story from your wheelhouse of World War II, but... It has to do with Americans, so, like, it's a bend of the rules, I feel like. I guess. Okay. I'll let it slide. I'll take a strike. No, no we're already no. too close to the end. Let's, no. just, let's just finish this It's clean. just, I've only had the one. Um, so anyways. Do you want one? No, I, I'm not begging for one, but, like, it would make sense. I would give her <laughs> a strike like if she took a story for, for... Oh, God, that's so funny. Um, so, do you <laughs> want one? Do you, do you know, just want, like, want I'll take him, it. I'll take the strike. You, Anyways, um, without further ado, I am going to tell you guys the tale of the last naval battle of World War II, which happened six days after Japan surrendered. Um, oh, Japan. Surprisingly enough, though, this story does not involve submarines, U-boats, naval warships of any kind. It instead involves sailing ships that are called junks. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with what a junk is, it's basically a wooden sailboat uh, with a large, rigid main sail. Um, I can post okay. a picture in the Discord later, but for right now, I'm just going to keep going on with my story. Picture the stereotypical China boats that you yeah, like. Yeah, if in you're Hong Kong, thinking of a like, Chinese boat, it's that. Yeah, like if you think of that, you are thinking. If of the you right know thing. enough about Chinese boats to think about a Chinese boat, when I say it's a Chinese boat, you're thinking of the right thing. Okay. Which I do. So thank you. No, it's exactly. <laughs> uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So that's what a junk is. Uh, but the main characters of our story are Navy Lieutenant Commander Livingston Swensel and Marine Corps uh, First Lieutenant Stuart Pittman, who were both piloting separate junks. Now, before you ask, yes, I apologize for the number of times I am about to use the word junk in this story, but no amount of apologies will make it better, so endure it with us, friends. We will survive. Um... <laughs> As the pair were traveling off the coast of China, they spotted another junk in the distance, and when that ship spotted them, it came about and unloaded a shot from a junk? howitzer. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a howitzer is not a gun that you would expect to see on a small boat, and yet 
there it was. There it was. Uh, the first shot missed, uh, but the second shot hit Pittman's junk. I did that one on purpose because that sentence is funny. Um, uh, however, that shot managed to kill four members of Pittman's crew, which then set everyone else on deck into a frenzy. Uh, Swensel and Pittman then decided to coordinate a counterattack via radio, uh, and they set about calming their crew so that they could enact their plan. Um, and their plan went a little something like this. Audience, I need for you to picture that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, where Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean, where one ship is in the middle of two ships that are, uh, shooting cannons at the one ship in the middle. Um, and you'll have a rough approximation of what this battle looked like, except uh, the junk in the middle of two American piloted junks was firing howitzer rounds, and the two were returning with heavy machine gun fire. Okay. And they were returning with heavy machine gun fire until they could get close enough to use their <gasps> bazookas. What? <laughs> That's what I was expecting. Yeah, no, nothing about this story made sense to me when I read it. Um, mainly because I couldn't picture a howitzer on a junk, based on what I know of howitzers. Yeah. Uh, but then I read the word bazooka, and I was like, oh, go. yeah, sure, why not? Oh, okay. But they did end up getting uh, this junk in between them and they used bazookas they only had to fire three rounds before they disabled oh good for them uh the howitzer on board so Swensel and Pittman both picked up and used bazookas to attack the Japanese junk and in so doing managed to take out the howitzer that had been you know the big gun on the ship so after this, Swensel moved his ship to prepare a boarding party and brought his junk right up against the Japanese one. Okay. Uh, the crew of his junk were throwing, ugh, throwing, throwing grenades at uh, the Japanese ship and basically wreaking havoc before Excellent. they boarded. Like they're just they're just, they're just tossing grenades. Um, I mean, it's what we do, you know. I'm surprised that they didn't end up sinking the ship before they landed on it, based on the amount of grenades. Yeah, um, same. And when they boarded, which they did eventually do, before they went below deck, they dropped mm-hmm. grenades in the hatches and closed the hatches. So this is what I don't get because as you've described them to me so far, they are like flimsy wooden ships. They are, and everyone's boats. like, "A grenade sounds good." Yeah, everyone was like, "Bazookas and grenades sound great." Um, I just don't understand how they're still sailing. I, they, I don't. <laughs> Anyways, if those random okay. sounds had yeah, anything yeah, no, to show I, you. It's that I don't know why, no, why they were still sailing either. No, say no more. I think you explained yourself perfectly. Yeah. Um, so once they did eventually board this ship and threw grenades down the hatches, 
Uh, they had successfully killed 44 men. Yeah, classic. And they had injured 35 more. And the captain of the Japanese junk ended up getting shot by one of Swetzel's, or Swetzel's men uh, because he raised a pistol in a final act of defiance and this guy saw it and was like, no, 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 sir. <laughs> It's like, fuck you. But I need you to understand something else about this story, which is crazy. Uh, Because it's important to note that between the crew of Pittman and Swensel, there were only 20 guerrilla fighters. Okay. And as I just mentioned, they had killed 44 men and injured 35 more. The math is not math. Yeah. The math is mathing. If anyone had had a brain about it. That's like my kind of math. (laughs) The Japanese should have won because they outnumbered the two ships that were attacking them by a great deal. Uh Uh-huh. The American side only managed to lose uh, four people. (laughs) Attaboy. Out of 20. Oh, my God. I just got so fucking scared. My parents' dog came downstairs, and yeah. we have a um, we have a little. She likes to just smash her face into the door. Keep all this in, by the way, because it's classic. But uh, <laughs> she likes to smash her face into the door, but then she doesn't know how to close the door. So my dad uh, installed this thing that automatically closes the door, and because yeah. I have oh, headphones no. on, I didn't hear her come downstairs. But I just saw the room get brighter, turned around to see the door shutting, and then I had a mini heart attack and looked around for her, because if she wasn't down here, I was about to fully freak out. Um, But anyways, (laughs) that little side rant aside, um, so Pittman and Swensel only had 20 guerrilla fighters, and the entirety of the battle... Swensel and Pittman's crew were screaming at the Japanese junk to let them know that Japan had surrendered six days hence. <laughs> yeah, but like, here's the thing. Are they yelling in English or in Japanese? I think uh, they were yelling in Japanese or at least Chinese oh, okay, enough to like let the Japanese crew know. Um... But the entire encounter lasted approximately 45 minutes. Um, okay. And also, to the audience, if you were keeping track, the number is 16. So. But that's the end of that story. Well. It's the last man, naval man. battle of World I... War Two. Man. You know, as far as battles in World War Two. It could have been a lot worse. It could mm-hmm. have been way worse, yeah. Could have been way worse. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if you guys ever saw that movie, um, Hacksaw Ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I have not seen it. But you've seen it, Zach? I have. It's been a very long time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hacksaw Ridge is, like, based off of another battle in World War II where essentially, like... The Americans had to scale this ridge in order to get up onto, like, the battleground. But because the Japanese 
were above them, they could easily just, like, absolutely annihilate any soldier that crested. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was, like, one of the bloodiest battles in World War II, among, you know, other really bloody battles. Mm -hmm. But, like, this one sounds pretty tame. Yeah. I mean, it's really just... It's really just a ship with a howitzer. It's it's one ship fighting one ship with a howitzer. Fighting two ships with bazookas. One opportunity to seize everything they ever wanted. (laughs) Oh, I hate that. I mean, you also look at it in relation to, like, the two A-bombs that had just been dropped as well, so... Yeah. Listen, it could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been a third A-bomb. Could have been. But we want to know what isn't worse. <laughs> what? Uh, Signing up for our Patreon. I don't, I don't know. Segway. Oh, okay. Segway. Wow, that's... that's Fun fact. That's where he was going. Bombs over here. Fun fact. The guy who invented the Segway died on one. Yeah. I think I say that every time Zach says the word Segway. But hey, it's, it's a good it's fact still, to know. It doesn't stop it. From being a fun fact. It's still a fun fact. It's always a fun um, fact. But yeah, our Patreon is up and available and really cool. On our Patreon, you can find uh, after What the Fuck After Dark, which we've mentioned a couple times here. Basically, you get to hear all of the shit that we say before and after the actual recording of the show goes. Guys, uh, it's, it's important kind of... to note that in the history of After Dark, we have only ever once stayed late to talk we yeah, usually we like talk it's it's not even after dark it's before, before dark. podcast we catch up either way you get about like <laughs> 20 plus minutes of us talking before the actual podcast begins so you get a little bit of a peer into our lives and what we do and it's us just, just hanging us out as friends. shooting the shit yes uh and we also have a level where you get excuse me, uncut and unedited episodes to you the day before that they normally go out. So that means Thursdays instead of Fridays, you're getting what might be, like last week, a two-hour episode. You get your so uncircumcised episodes here. It was yeah. It was a two-hour episode for last week? Last week, we, our recording for last week was two hours. We... Why was it so long? What did we, we let do? Zach talk for too much. I talk too much. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to patreon.com slash triumvirate productions or just look up the triumvirate productions on Patreon's little search bar, you can find us. There's a $3, a $5, and a $10 level. We love doing this show. And hey, that helps out a little bit because we got RSS feeds to pay for. We got mics to tune up. We got the Toyota, uh, the Ford Tacoma to fucking fuel. And gas is expensive, especially when you're time traveling. So it's been a long so time true. since we've referenced the Ford Tacoma, but it does exist. It does exist. It's it's the only you know, one of its kind. Dust, but um, the other thing is, if you don't want to do that, you can also follow us on our other socials. You can find us on Facebook or you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can also go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify where you can give us a five star rating and review. And by doing that, it pushes us up the charts and makes things, well, just a little bit easier for us. Um, you know, makes us a little bit Push more noticeable. Up the charts. 
But yeah, so that's a free way to help us out. There's plenty of free ways. Or if you, you know, want to sacrifice your morning Dunkin' Donuts coffee, you can do that too. But and if you way, have disposable income yeah. and just want to tell us that you love us, give us your money. <laughs> but Matt, I didn't want to interrupt you for once. I wanted to do hey, it beforehand. I appreciate so. that. I don't always love being interrupted, but I've come to expect it. Um, which I guess is acceptance in a different way, but I will end the podcast as I always do by asking our faithful listeners this one question. And that question is, what the fuck history? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.